This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Wednesday Drive, WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad. We're on the same exact day he retired a year ago. Tom Brady retires again. He was a lot more convicted about it in the video he posted this morning than he was at any time during last offseason. So, I do buy it. It does appear Tom is for real done this time. But that doesn't mean it had to be this way. If you pay close attention to it, It's not hard to connect a few dots here. And I'm just talking from the last 24 hours. You could connect some dots and make a reasonable argument that I buy. Tom Brady retiring today happens because he simply ran out of options. That if the right option was available, Tom's playing in 2023. He said on the Let's Go podcast, actually, let me do that again. The Let's Go! It's got the exclamation and the all caps that he wanted to play for Sean Payton. Or he joked with Sean Payton that he'd like to play for him. Ha 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 ha! I'd like to play with you one day, play for you one day. This is funny. It could never happen, right? No way that could happen, right? He has been connected to the Miami Dolphins in the past. Remember, there was the Brian Flores lawsuit, and part of it was talking about how the ownership met with Tom Brady, and maybe some rules were broken there, and there seems to be that tie. And it's understandable. Heck, even in the announcement today, Tom Brady likes the beach now. He made this announcement just throwing up a video of him sitting on the beach letting the world know the biggest news in sports. Good morning, guys. Uh, I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me and I appreciate the self-awareness to not do another essay again every time I read one of those when guys announce they're coming back to college or declaring for the draft or entering the portal or or in this case retiring if it's more than one paragraph I just want to reply with the the old meme of I'm not reading all of this Sorry about that, or I'm happy for you, bro. That's kind of how I feel. In the last 24 hours, these headlines feel like they're linked. Sean Payton agreed to become the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And the Dolphins committed the Tua to be their quarterback after learning today that he was officially cleared by doctors from his concussion. Those were two places that Tom could have ended up. Tom could have figured out a play t- uh, a way to play for Sean Payton if he was in Charlotte, if he was in Indianapolis, 
But for the Denver Broncos, they don't have a quarterback. Or they already have a quarterback, I should say. They don't have an opening at quarterback is the better way to say that. You could argue they don't have a quarterback given the way that Russell Wilson played last year, but they have a lot of money tied up in Russell Wilson. So when that was no longer an option and Miami was going to stick with Tua, Tom decided it's time to go into the booth. It's time to rake in $37.5 million a year over 10 years and become the number one color analyst for Fox, be a part of the number one team and bump Greg Olson down a peg. You might be thinking, though, Josh, were those really the only two options? When I hear Jeff Darlington and other reporters that are in the know, that are close to Tom, talking about the news today, and the number one thing that comes up is his family, his children being a big part of this decision. What I hear is if he was going to play somewhere, it was going to be on the East Coast. Tom's not going to play in Vegas. Tom's not going to play in San Francisco. That's too far from where his kids are, which their entire lives has been on the East Coast. Tom doesn't want to jeopardize that. Tom doesn't want to mess with that. So Tom Brady walks away, and he walks away still being able to play. If one of these options were available to him, playing for the Dolphins, playing for Sean Payton, I don't think he's satisfied with the way things ended. I think he gives it another shot. He still has something left in the tank. Without a running game, without an offensive line at 45, he led the NFL in passing attempts and completions. In fact, he set NFL records in both those categories. The advanced analytics say that he still got some oomph on the ball. He walked away with something left in the tank here. And I think the reason why is because he ran out of options, which is crazy to say for the greatest of all time. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want him. Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show. Also, a videographer, too. Steve Forbes had fighting words for this show, or for me specifically, saying that, if I tried out, he'd cut me from a basketball team. He'd cut me from the Wake basketball team. So WD at the fitness center right here in Kernersville, just on a whim, showed up, shot some video. I needed to get some shots up. So that's exactly what I did. And you just put a mixtape together. That's right. We're, I mean, you're ready to go. You're going to the Joel and it's time. It's time to make things happen over there. Ball's in your court now. Coach Forbes. Darn right it is. Mm -hmm. You can find that on Twitter, on our social media accounts. Good work on that. Speaking of Steve Forbes and last night's game at Cameron. Yes, it was Wake Forest's third consecutive two-point loss. And yet another devastating missed opportunity. The Deeks who need to get some quad one wins. That's a tough loss for them. But Duke was the bigger story from this game. And more specifically, the progression that we've seen from them. It looks like Duke still has the highest upside in the ACC. There are teams in the league I'd take over them. Virginia's going to run away with the ACC, especially after Clemson lost on the road last night to Boston College. Boston College? Give me North Carolina right now over Duke. Give me NC State. Probably still Clemson, but 
in terms of where they can go, the heights you can reach, nobody else has higher heights than Duke does. But the question is, as it often is with freshman-laden teams, what potential can you reach with this team by the end of the year? It's a race against time. College basketball, unlike the NBA, it's a sprint. It's not a marathon. And we're seeing John Shire begin to unlock this Duke team. Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor, that backcourt looks really good right now. They're meshing together well. Combined for 38 points. Jeremy Roach is in his third year. He was a point off of his career high last night. He can hunt his shot more when Tyrese Proctor is the primarily, uh, primary ball handler and running the point more often. Jeremy Roach can worry more about scoring and playmaking. Proctor, he had 17 points in the game. That tied his career high. But the biggest leap I've seen over the last month is in the play of Derek Lively. He's figuring it out. Projected to be a lottery pick. Dealt with some injuries in the preseason, a la A.J. Griffin, a la Jason Tatum. And I don't know if he's going to reach the heights that those guys did. He also had an illness in December that forced him to meet the, uh, miss the first meeting with Wake Forest. And if you wonder how big of a difference that was, Wake out-rebounded Duke considerably in that first meeting, and then they got out-rebounded a great deal last night. Steve Forbes, the first comment he said walking into the post-game press conference was, this is a completely different Duke team than the one I saw even back in December. Derek Lively's a rim runner. He had four blocks last night. Great defensively, a rim protector, and his offensive spacing's getting a lot better too. Case in point, his instinct to run to the rim and Proctor to throw it up for the alley-oop. So I wanted to ask John Shire about him. And Shire had this to say about his freshman who's starting to come along. Just not listening to any noise. You know, it's, uh, there's, you know, people are quick to judge and, you know, quick to say where, you know, how a certain player is doing or certain guys. And Derek's come in with just a lot of attention and hype, as right so. But I'm just proud of how he's kept his head down, embraced what he can do better, but also just believe in himself. You know, he's, he's a special player. There's not many guys in the, in the country that can do what he can, and in, in the world, frankly. And uh, he's a fun guy for me to coach. They don't need him to be Paolo Banquero talking about Final Four Duke teams. But if you want to go back to John Shire's championship team, can you be a more athletic version of Brian Zubak? Can you bring those types of contributions? I think Lively can. Now what about Derek Lively? Derek Whitehead, excuse me. Derek Whitehead, he's the guy that they need to get healthy. Shire wouldn't say whether or not he'd play Saturday. He says it's too soon to rule on his status, but that's the player that could take them to the next level. And if he makes similar strides over the next month to the one to the ones that we've seen from Derek Lively over the last month Duke's a really really scary team as March arrives John Shire's really starting to figure out I think he's doing a good job places everyone come on places please we're ready get your morning off to a great start with Jeffrey Griffin on triad today weekday mornings at seven now back to the drive with Josh Graham Tar Heel legend Joel Berry joins the show now. You know him from the ACC Network and from the Smith Center Rafters. Just thought that would be a pretty cool introduction. Before we get to you and Carolina basketball and such, I don't think I've told you this story before about the most gratifying 
athletic achievement of my life, Joel, where I was fresh out of college. I was doing some media stuff, and I was invited to participate in the Cameron media game that they used to have every year. So we go into Cameron, and all of us radio, print types, we would play a pickup basketball game every year. And I remember one game, right off the opening tap, I had a pass that was thrown at me right at the paint that I caught. And as soon as I caught it, got drilled by somebody. It was probably Ross Martin from Inside Carolina, I think, if memory serves correct. And I put the shot off glass and in and won. And I was hit so hard by Ross that I tumbled to the feet of somebody who was sitting in the front row of the baseline seating. It was Nolan Smith who looked down at me and said, nice. In that moment, he thought I was a decent basketball player. Now today, after Coach Forbes challenged me a little bit, said he would cut me if I tried out for the Wake basketball team, we put together a bit of a highlight tape that you can find on our YouTube channel and all over our social media. I just got to know, do you like what you saw? <laughs> First off, I got to say, I love the outfit. The, the shoes were on point. You were that guy that was showing up to the gym looking ready, looking ready to go. Um, I did like what I saw, but I'm still a little skeptical. And some of the, the, the one of the layups I saw, I think we got to put it higher on the glass because I think that's getting beat off the glass. But I love the jump shot. I love everything else. Steve Forbes will probably keep you on the team. Good to know. On Twitter at Joel Barry. Two, you can find him or I, I, you can follow him on social media. That's far too kind from Joel. How concerned <laughs> are you for North Carolina tonight against Pitt? I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I just, it, it's a huge game for them. And when you look at it coming down to the end of the season, this is where you want to play your best basketball. And I'll just think back to the game when they played Pitt. They were they had it in control, but it was down the stretch where they just didn't make plays. Being at home today, I think that will help with them being 10 and 0. But we have to remember that, or we have to notice that Pitt is five and two on the road. So this will be a tough game for them. And this is a game that they want to win because this could put them over Pitt and get them into that third place spot in the ACC. So this is a huge game. And they can't look forward to the Duke game on Saturday. They have to focus in on tonight. How real is that? We hear people say, don't look ahead. But you've been in these spots where Duke Carolina is on Saturday and you're playing on Tuesday or Wednesday. Is that a real thing? It is a real thing. I just, I saw a tweet today that, that said that I, I think you might have posted it, Josh, that said that uh, – that Coach Shire did not hasn't taken a look at Carolina today. He says he hasn't watched them yet. This was after the Wake Forest game. He said he hasn't watched an ounce of Carolina film yet. Do you see my face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's no way he hasn't watched Carolina yet. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you, you have a, you have one of the biggest games coming up, and you haven't watched them yet. I mean, that's, that's, I, I, I don't understand that, but, but it is, it is one of those things where you look forward, especially when it's a Duke, when it's this Duke uh, Carolina rivalry game, it's, it's so hard not to look ahead, especially when you have such an important game before.
to get before you get to that game. So um, it is real, but it's one of those things where you have to just be intentional and just lock in on this game. Joel Berry's with us here. Um, I was talking about you with BDOT last week, and he was telling me how beloved Armando Baycott is, and it was something we discussed with Hubert Davis as well yesterday, that there's criteria, as you know, in order to get your name up in the rafters at the Smith Center. And he's broken some records, but it doesn't say, hey, if you have the rebounding record, you go up in the rafters. You have to be an outstanding player in the Final Four like you were, a first or second team All-American, or be an ACC Player of the Year. I like his chances of winning Player of the Year, winning one of these awards, but when you start to think about his legacy especially given the run they had last year. Obviously, there's still a little bit to go. What do you think about? Well, first off, I have to say what he has done up to this point is very impressive. And I will have to say it is that that should be in consideration for him to go up there. But, Josh, as you said, it's, 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 it's tears to it. And you can't make exceptions for just one player who just – so happens to have such a dominant career because you look at look at the the greats that have come through Carolina and, and a lot of folks who names aren't in the rafters. Like you have issue with Kennedy Meeks not being up there, right? Was that you I was you talking could, to about that? You could easily argue that Kennedy should be up there. I mean, I know he hasn't broken any records that, that Armando has, but I mean, when you look at the, the body of work, Kennedy deserves to be up there. Um, so, but there, there, there are tears and you have to, like I said, you can't make exceptions because look at all the great people that have, have come through Carolina. So it, it, it's hard, but it doesn't take away from, from what he has done. And I believe he can do that this year if he continues to do what he's doing and win ACC player of the year. Yeah. He looks like a front runner to me right now. And he was the runner up last For sure. year. Uh, in addition to doing shows like this one. I'm also a guest on other shows, and I was a guest on two different shows today who asked me already who I like in Duke, Carolina. And I've said, well, let's, let's wait to see if Puff Johnson is healthy by then and R.J. Davis, what he looks like tonight. Apparently he's going to have a black eye when he plays tonight. But uh, do you have a feel at all about what the matchup might look like when Duke plays Carolina? Not, not a pick, but just the matchups, how these two teams fare with each other. Yeah, I think Armando, when you look at the, the paint, Armando will have some advantage down there um, just with uh, just being as dominant as he is going up against two freshmen. And I know at this point of the season, you don't consider freshmen freshmen anymore. But there are there there are type of there are type of players that when you go up against the freshman mistakes come out. And we will see those mistakes from Lively and Filipowski against Armando with how dominant he is. And that will that that will be something to look at. But also too, you also you have to look at the guard play. It will be a, a, a fantastic matchup between RJ and, and Jeremy Roach, uh, Caleb Love going against Tyrese Proctor, who has been playing unbelievable in these last couple of weeks. I, I just I think all around it's a great matchup for each team. I just think that when it comes down to it, the the one thing that will make a difference is the 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 veteran play. And you put you can I, I honestly think you can put Leaky on Filipowski 
and get up under him and not allow him to dribble and, and be able to make some of those moves that he makes. Um, and then also, you know, switch it around and have Pete Nance on him as well. But there are so many matchups on the court that I look forward to watching. Yeah, can't wait to watch it on Saturday night. Joel Berry with us here. It's worth noting, Duke has not lost at home since Coach K's last game at Cameron. And North Carolina has not lost a home game since losing to Pitt last February. Pitt and Chapel Hill tonight. Last thing here for you, Joel. Let's go back to last April. When I think back to that Duke-Carolina game that uh, Carolina won, I... I immediately go to after the game, going on Bourbon Street, hanging out with BDOT and you and others, and I was out to probably about four in the morning, and I didn't have an ounce of alcohol, and it wasn't even intentional. It was just trying to figure out what the hell just happened, and then as I'm walking home, I just realized that sports can be a drug itself, and that game itself was a drug. What do you remember most about that night? Now, sorry, you went out. You you referring to the yeah Duke the Duke game? Carolina game in New Orleans. What do you remember most about that night? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I think I saw. I think I remember seeing B dot down there just oh, yeah. having a having a blast. Um, <laughs> but that night was crazy, Josh. I was uh, I don't know about you, but at the time I did. I think I got into a little activity. Um, as far as getting the drinks, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you're on Bourbon Street and don't have an ounce of alcohol. That's the story. <laughs> like, that's what I remember most. I it wasn't even done on purpose. It was, I, I was leaving, I was wearing shorts and like a hoodie, kind of like what I have on right now. I'm like, dot, I was walking back with dot. I'm like, dot, I haven't had a thing to drink tonight. And I still feel drunk. That game was, a game was drunk. That's, that's how I felt. Anyway, uh, are you going to be hey, doing anything could, special for the game this weekend? Are we going to be able to see you around? I will. I will be on air. Uh, I wish I could be in attendance, but you know, I always either it, it's the tie or the shoes for me where I I, I show my support. Um, so you definitely will see some uh, some Carolina Jays on this weekend. It's good to see you, man, and uh, I look forward to seeing always. you sometime soon. Thanks for doing this, Joel. Yes, sir. Definitely. Thanks for having me. And anytime you need me, man, give me a call. Introducing the world's greatest entertainer, the hardest working man in show business. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of the show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Connor O'Neill joins us in studio. What better guest to have on today? And the guy who covers both Wake Forest and Duke, Deacon Illustrated, Devils Illustrated, in studio after the Blue Devils win over Wake Forest yesterday. Moving and grooving here. That was a catchy tune. I love Jackson Brown. We do it up around here. Oh, <laughs> before we get into the hoops, are you a Quentin Tarantino fan at all? Uh, I wasn't for the longest time. And then in college, I had to do a um, Elon has this winter term thing. That's basically you take one class in January, and my final exam was basically do a report on Quentin Tarantino. Let me move this down. So I got, oh, I got very familiar with Quentin Tarantino in about a two-week span, and really came to appreciate and enjoy his movies. So WD has seen exactly none of all of his movies. Yeah, we we Not listed all. off yesterday, and it was just nope. I Every nope. single one. I haven't one of seen them. all of them, but what what are you starting them out? With? That's key so i asked this question on social media 
what movie do you introduce him to? And a lot of people had the same thought that I had that introducing him to Pulp Fiction as the first one, that might be trying to throw somebody into the deep end a little too soon. Yeah. I don't want that to be the introduction. The popular choice actually was Inglorious Bastards. That's what I was thinking. Which I think might be the best choice for you because WD really likes history. I do. I always wanted to watch that movie, actually, so it works out. Brad Pitt. It's got a baseball bat in it. There is. Yes. (laughs) It's true. Ted Williams at the plate. (laughs) Teddy Williams. It's great. And Brad Pitt, probably my favorite Brad Pitt monologue ever. I come from the uh, mountain man, Jim Breacher. Jumped out of a bleeping aeroplane. It's fantastic. When I used to uh, sell books door-to-door in Texas 10 years ago, I remember just to keep myself engaged and having fun, one or two doors a day I'd knock on and I would do an impression of Lieutenant Aldo Rain just to make (laughs) myself laugh. And one time, somebody bought something from me doing Lieutenant Aldo Rain and I had to stay in character the entire time. You want to buy some of these here books? Fantastic. River Danchi. Okay, let's get to basketball. And Glorious Bastards, I think, probably is going to be the choice for you to watch tonight. And then we'll recap that tomorrow. Wake's lack of a secondary ball handler is something I haven't really thought about so much until watching last night. And Ty Appleby's now played... Seven consecutive games, 38 minutes or more, 10 of the last 11 that's happened. And it's because they just don't have another option. And why that's significant is because when he doesn't have a great night, Wake Forest doesn't win. Plain and simple. As good as those other guys are, it it seems like, and last night was the best he's played in a few weeks. So I was going to say, even when he has a great night like last night, it they seems don't like win. teams have kind of figured out Wake Forest in a sense. There's a blueprint now that centers on Appleby and knowing how much usage he has. Yeah, and not to get all wistful about, you know, the, the good old days of the ACC, but that's kind of what the league is. Like the league is, has always been, yeah, you can have some, some success from game to game and week to week, but if you're going to have a good month, if you're going to have a good ACC season, you're going to have to adjust to the way th- way teams play you. Like nobody has this blueprint that they get locked in on and in mid-December and that's going to be their formula for the entire season. Like you have to you have to have some curveballs. You know, Forbes has said it I think multiple times on the teleconference already this year. You got to throw more than fastballs. You got to throw a curveball in there. You got to throw a slider. Uh he's we're we're going to hit the baseball quota here, baseball reference quota. WD doesn't get the Quentin Tarantino (laughs) references, but he gets all the baseball references. Absolutely. He understands all the baseball stuff, but uh, when I I start quoting Inglorious Bastards, he doesn't quite understand it. That's a bingo! But yeah, uh, like that's a bingo. You've got to come up with another bingo, or two, or three. You've got to be able to adjust to how teams are going to play you, and if 
unfortunately, the, the press seating arrangement for the NC State game wasn't ideal for you, but I could have pointed out to you that Ty Appleby got worn down because Jarkel Joyner was picking him up in the backcourt. Jarkel Joyner does that to everybody. I've, I've come to understand from, from Luke DeCock sitting next to him. Like That's one of the reasons why NC State is having the season they're having is because he's changed their defense and he did the same thing to Appleby and it threw Wake's offense out of rhythm. It eventually in the second half. Steve Forbes doesn't mince words. So when I brought up the usage of Appleby and the lack of a bench in terms of spelling him at point guard, this is how Steve responded. I mean, come on, Josh. I mean, Jawai Tuka. I mean, I'm not a complainer. I never, I mean, I had a guy who's had a season ending injury. I mean, uh, you know, it's like John, he's not going to, I'm sure John would like to have Derek Whitehead. You know, I'd love to have Jawai Tuka. So what are the other options? That point, you know, and guys, we play two games a week. He's 20 some years old, man. He, I think he can handle two games and now he plays hard. And we got him out a little bit tonight because he got tired. He, he gets tired because he plays hard, he plays his guts out. But, um, I don't know. You want me to have trials? I mean, I don't know. You want to try out? I'm cutting you, Josh. It didn't feel like people were laughing with me, it felt like they were laughing at me in that room. I was one of the ones laughing, and I was not laughing with you. And the rest is history. <laughs> Thought that was a good question. The mixtape was born. I don't regret, regret that. Uh, and I've responded on social media with a mixtape that's out there now. <laughs> that Connor O'Neill has looked at. I don't know if you did yourself a favor or dug yourself further into a grave with that thing. He, ca- he calls me last night at about 1030 and goes, you got a basketball? <laughs> got to get some buckets. That's all I got to do. Uh, got time to watch me drop some buckets? Let's do the math on this. So you were on your on your drive home. Like that was not yeah. a get home and think about things. That no, was a no. you got the adrenaline pumping. You I was embarrassed. Connor O'Neill's laughing at me. Luke DeCock too. I can only imagine so, what music was playing in his car. Stewing, <laughs> stewing inside me. I was like, I, I need to respond. Kind of like how rappers have diss tracks. Need to put out something, an and one mixtape, just to let people know. And that's uh, what I felt we did. But getting to uh, the basketball point of it, Steve says, well, there's only two games a week. He can handle it. Well, what happens when he doesn't play well? That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, and I, I You think, need to have somebody else. I think Steve, because he's not one to make excuses, because he's not going to sit up there and spin a yarn of woe is us, uh, it's not just Jawatuka that could handle the ball handling abilities. Like They came into the season thinking maybe Robert McRae could give him a possession or two where he brings it up. They've been trying to squeeze Cam Hildreth into that role, and that's he does okay with it, but that's a square peg in a round hole. You want him driving and slashing. You don't want him initiating offense from the top necessarily. Um, you know They're shorthanded without Lucas Taylor, who missed a second straight game with a personal issue, and he hadn't been giving him minutes for the last month and a half or two months. So... All, all of a sudden, like this is a Wake team that we thought was going to be really balanced and really deep coming into the season. You look down there and it's like, okay, he's got three options to go to off the bench. He doesn't even have anybody beyond that. Uh, it's, it's, you don't think of it because you get so much out of the four that score. And there are not a lot of teams that have four guys as good as those four. Right. So, so it's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword where, yes, they have balance at the top 
which probably is an oxymoron, but there's just such a steep drop off. Um, I think Davian Williamson is still dealing with the back issue. Looks uh, like it. It's, doesn't drive it. Yeah, lot of, it, a lot of running to the corner. He was it, 0 for 4 last night. It's so clear to me, and I, like, I wish just to get a couple minutes with Davian and say, like, hey, man, is your, is your back still screwed up from, what, two months ago mm-hmm. now? Um, I think the answer would be yes, and I think the answer would be he has his good days and bad days. And his good day came, was it a pit that he had a, a few points there, 14 or so? That's right. But I think the Actually, last it was games, in Chapel Hill. First half in Chapel Hill, okay. he had double-digit points. I think in a half. Um, he had double digits recently too, though. Yeah, I, I think one he had. The, I think he had a decent game against games. Pitt yeah. too. So he's had a couple of games. Yeah. Former producer of this show, Desmond writes in from a former film major that idolized Tarantino. Start him off with Reservoir Dogs. Every Tarantino film is connected. It's a universe. I do like how everything is connected in that. That's an interesting one. I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too, that came out a few years ago, but no, nah, that's not the fun answer to yeah. go with the most recent movie. I haven't seen that one. You have seen Reservoir Dogs, though. I haven't seen... Re- I've seen oh. parts of Reservoir Dogs. I haven't seen all of it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it wasn't a very thorough report, I'm, I'm realizing that I did. See, that's that's the right way to answer that question, by the way, WD. See how what he did there? He said he hadn't seen Reservoir Dogs and then volunteered. I'd seen pieces of it, but I haven't seen it. So never answer... Bits and pieces. He hates it when I do that. It's and like, now I just do it it's all like the time. When, it's like when somebody, you ask what type of music you like. I like everything. Do you? Well, listen, I watch a lot of YouTube, so I come across clips of things. By the way, I'm excited to figure out why Pulp Fiction is like throwing me into the deep. End. Like, I don't, like, what is it? What is it? It's, it's a different type you, of movie. You've got to you've gotta know Tarantino's style exactly. to understand what you're walking into I there. See. That's right. It's the dialogue and it's the uncomfortableness that he can make you feel. Any uh, any thought on Django? Love Django. Love probably my favorite Tarantino. My favorite's Kill Bill, but I'm not gonna make him sit there for four and a half hours. Yeah, please. That's don't. how long it is. There are two of them. Kill oh, Bill yeah. Part One, Part Two. Yeah. You haven't watched Kill Bill unless you watch both of them. So mm. I'm not gonna make you do that. Okay, so we'll get we'll re, we'll circle back to that and figure out something for you to watch by the end of the show. Is it too soon to talk about Duke Carolina Saturday? We'll find out next. The drive with Josh Graham only on WSJS. Connor O'Neill's in studio with us. We covered the Wake Forest end of the ledger from last night. Before we get to Duke, Connor, it's been raining on my parade during the commercial break. I'm super excited about Louisville hosting Georgia Tech tonight to the point where we've called it Louisville Georgia Tech Week, not Carolina, Duke Carolina Week. And you're saying, who cares? Why are you so excited about that game? Louisville can win tonight, Connor. They can win tonight. In typical shock jock fashion, you've completely obfuscated. Is that the word I'm looking for? It's a good word. I can picture the word without knowing how to pronounce it. WD just mouthed, wow. That's (laughs) I don't, wow. Biggest word that's been used in the history of (laughs) the drive with Josh Graham. I think I'm using it correctly. What's the word again? Obfuscated. I'm gonna he can't up. even do it. Wow. It's, so, he, it's no, a one-time he did it thing. One, he did it once. <laughs> he landed the blame. 
It's gone. I'm scared to say it out. I might say a curse word by accident. <laughs> it's over. It's done. It's a one-time thing. You can't, you know. He did it. It's like uh, obfuscate, render obscure, unclear, or unintelligible. That word. It's what you're doing to what I've been telling you for the last three minutes about Georgia Tech Louisville. Your take is not incorrect. Like, sure, that's a big game for Louisville. You want to talk about Louisville? Fine. But you're saying it's their last chance to win an ACC game this year, which is not true by any measure. And I, you, you think just, they can beat Florida State in the Yum Center Saturday? I think they can beat Florida State. I think they have another game against Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I think Georgia Atlanta. Tech is the worst coach team in the ACC. Whoa, that's an Come anti Come Josh on. Pazner. Come you're on. the reverse Pazner. Pazner's so positive, and Connor O'Neill. I am a cynic. But throwing jabs, fighting are, words. Are you going to watch a Josh Pazner coach team and think that they're getting more than their talent? That's what's it. See, you're talking me into tonight again. It's Josh Pazner <laughs> versus Kenny Payne, Connor. You don't want to watch that coaching duel? Louisville's problem is they have one guard, and it's been their problem for the entire season. L. Ellis, his L. Ellis. parents. I cannot help but watch Louisville games. If your last I've, name's Ellis, you can't call your kid L. <laughs> L. Ellis. I've watched too much Louisville basketball this year. Me too. But every time I put them on, I think, oh my God, I feel so bad for L. Ellis. So much is asked of him. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he is a five-star, you know, first-round pick guard. He is doing what he can. Uh, he is playing above his head. But no. Uh, they have another game against Georgia Tech. They have Florida State this weekend. I think if they get hot, they can beat Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech is is not Games on the at same kind of track that they were last year. I just don't think. Um, who was the other one? I you you pulled up and I oh, you know if if Clemson has the ability to miss seventeen shots in a row, they can go to they can go to Louisville and have an off night. WD, tell the people who Clemson was upset by last night. Boston College. I walked right into that one. Yeah. I'm disappointed in myself. I heard from Clemson fans quite a bit. Sometimes I say things just in passing. Don't even give it a second shroud of thought. And then people really latch onto it. Like when I whispered that Wake Forest was the best team in the ACC a few weeks ago. Or... Like a couple days ago, Clemson fans taking objection to me saying so confidently Virginia was going to run away with the ACC after they won at Syracuse. And my reasoning was, this was before last night, Clemson still has to go to Charlottesville, to Raleigh. They still have to go to Duke. I think, no, wait, they don't have to go to Chapel Duke. Hill. Chapel Hill, that's right. They still have road games there. And now they lost in Chestnut Hill to Boston College. So Man, Virginia's w about w to run got away. So into getting that one queued up. Virginia, they're about to run away with things. That's the way I feel about it. Because when you look at their schedule, they they don't have a heavy backloaded schedule. They've already played their road games at Pitt, at Miami. They already played North Carolina the first time. I, they do have a road game in the Smith Center, but they I still like where Virginia sits. So I think they're a clear front runner. I also think that Armando Baycott Armando. is the clear front runner for ACC player of the year. And it's something I brought up to Hubert Davis yesterday when he joined the show and Hubert, who was very forceful for his guy a year ago, forceful again. And he's put himself in a position 
to be able to be named ACC Player of the Year. And, you know, one of the things that not only in my discussion with Armando, but I talk to the guys all the time is, is focus on what is real and focus on what you have control over. And what Armando has control over is his preparation, his practice, and his play. And at the end of the day, everything else will take care of itself. Armando! He right now is among the scoring leaders in the ACC. The only players ahead of him are Ty Appleby and Taquavion Smith. He is number one in rebounding, and it's not close. It's by a full point and change over uh, Omir from Miami. And this just seems like, especially, and also he's top five in the league in field goal percentage. This He was so close last year when I thought Alondis was doing something we hadn't seen in the league before and was the deserving winner. I don't see that guy this year. I don't think that Traquavion Smith, even as good as NC State's been, is going to warrant all those votes when Jarkel Joyner is also top five in the league in scoring right now. It yeah. just seems like Armando's year. Armando! I'm there with that. Um, I can't I can't really think of a counter-argument, you know, if the the one the one thing I'll look at and to to tie us back into what week it actually is, if Kyle Filipowski keeps putting up double doubles and has some more monster double doubles like he's had, you know, the twenty nine and ten at Virginia Tech, the twenty eight and fifteen was at the Miami game. Yep. And if he does it in the big Carolina Duke games, yeah. If if he has more of those types of games, then he could start making a case. I think last night I was reminded of how grateful I am to be close to the floor at Duke. Everybody else, everywhere else, we're kind of farther and farther away. Basketball is a sport you get such great appreciation for who the guys are the closer you get to the floor. And what struck me last night being courtside was how Filipowski was just hunting his shot the last few minutes of the game. It radiated off of him the confidence that you just knew it was going up. So when he put that shot up right in front of me on my side of the floor, the three that put it away at the end of the shot clock, as soon as he went up into the motion, my thought is, that's going in. And there aren't a lot of guys his age, his height, that I would say that about. Yeah, he's... I've I've referred to him as Duke's most important player. Um, he's the guy they've got to have clicking uh, in order to have a chance. And last night he wasn't clicking for no. a lot of the night. Uh, Wake did a great job defending him, but he was there when it mattered the most. He also had 11 defensive rebounds. Um, that's huge. Wow. So Duke Carolina is on Saturday. Here was John Shire's comment on it last night after the win against Wake. In the day, I was taught this when I was a freshman in college. I mean, each game is worth one. And you know, so it's, it's amazing. We have college game day here, and it's, I understand. I'm very well aware. I've been in a lot of these games, fortunately. Uh, it's a special game to be a part of. They're really good. But for us, we'll take it day by day. We still – I haven't even watched them. We have to, you know, figure out how we're going to play them, and they still have another game. And so we'll worry about that later in the week. Joel Berry saw that I tweeted that quote from Shire last night, and he said, I saw John Shire said he hasn't watched Carolina yet. Look at my face right now. Look at my face. And 
There's no way that he hasn't watched North Carolina yet. I believe that. I believe he has watched um, North Carolina, but I don't think he's watched them in a scouting sense yet. I bet you he's watched them, obviously, scouting other teams that are playing North Carolina. Yeah. And I venture to say that the head coach has one of his assistants that are responsible for the actual game scout that has been looking at North Carolina probably all week. See, that's interesting because I actually I was talking to people last night about wanting to do a story about the kind of there seems to be a shift in college basketball staffs that instead of you just have, you know, this assistant has this scout, the next one goes to this assistant, and then the third, you know, that lined up scouting. You hear more and more coaches. John Shires referred to Jay Lucas as their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Forbes, I think Brooks Savage is pretty clearly the offensive coordinator. He's the one holding up the whiteboard. Saying it says like uh, yo-yo yeah, on it. You know, good. All the plays. Brian Geisinger, I think, is the only person on, on press row that could actually like Geisinger down. is great to sit next to during games. Even when he's not seeing the plays that are being drawn, yeah. he knows where plays are headed just based on watching teams play oh yeah this set's gonna go top of the key like it's like sitting next to Romo when Romo used to do that he he explained horns to me during countdown to craziness last year and I still like every time John Shire puts up the little it looks like the hook hook 'em horns sign but well I just realized why it's horns um I, I think of BG explained that to me last year two big guys up at the top of the key and two guys in the corner so not as much anymore though you you, you, you think I think you still have shift. scouting. I, I think I think it's more moving toward the the football aspect of things, where you have offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and then maybe one guy does every scout. I, I it's a story that I kind of want to dive into. I'm kind of talking myself into it uh, between last night and here. But anyway, yeah, Joel, I'm I'm there with him. Like John Shire has seen Duke, or John Shire has obviously seen Duke. John Shire has seen Carolina play basketball this year. That it's it's not like he's blocked off every channel when they've been on and when he's been no! in a hotel or anything like that like not today he has caught north carolina on his tv at some point connor o'neill people can follow your coverage connor o'neill underscore di i hope you do write that story i'd be fascinated to read that uh read connor's work and uh follow him on twitter duke carolina of course this saturday thanks for being in here connor thanks for having me you're on the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. As Darren Bott joins the show and we get set to answer unusual questions, let me update everybody on a back and forth that's currently happening with Wake Forest basketball coach Steve Forbes. The game ends last night. Ty Appleby plays at least 38 minutes for the seventh consecutive game and then for the tenth time and the last 11. I asked him some version of what does he bring that you're not able to find on your bench? They've had some injuries there. He asked if they should have tryouts. Josh, do you want to try out? I'd cut you, Josh. And so when I get bodied in a press conference like that, got to respond. And the way we responded is by putting together a mixtape. WD shot it. WD edited it. And it's up on our social media. And just waited for a reply from Coach Forbes. And Coach Forbes chimed in in the last half hour saying, 
You wore a hockey sweatshirt to a basketball tryout. Enough said. And then I had to respond because go Canes. With Steve Forbes in full Canes regalia. He's got the jersey, the hat, and full gear. With the David Putty line from Seinfeld. Gotta support the team. And that sits now with Forbes saying, quote, I can't skate. I know nothing about coaching or playing hockey, but I do know how to sound the siren. Hashtag team player. And he's unbeaten as the siren sounder, too. I'll add to that. Darren. What's happening, man? Nada. Um, not feeling compelled to go shoot a... Uh, a, a mixtape of sorts. Do you used to of, watch of the and one mixtapes back in the day? Like and yeah. one oh, early two thousands. The professor was my guy. Oh, and it's easily my favorite Chappelle show bit when they did the and one mixtapes for sports that aren't basketball. Yes, and it's yep. Chappelle like catching a pitch that was thrown, <laughs> and then people in the crowd in the stands were like, oh. And one of them says, wait till you see him pitch. Yeah. <laughs> is outstanding. There's a like bowling one. Each other. In, tennis. In the crowd. They do tennis. Ah, it's just outstanding stuff. So if you missed that, good. you can find it on social media. It is Duke Carolina week. Even though North Carolina plays tonight against Pitt, we're looking ahead to Saturday. Darren, you've been to a number of these rivalry games. What's your favorite? Duke Carolina memory either being at a game or some dealings that surrounded the rivalry uh I mean it's tough to narrow down right it's just it's it's cool my, my first one at Cameron Indoor is is sort of the favorite I think just just because of not I'm not saying Cameron is necessarily better than the Smith Center so UNC fans don't be so quick to jump to that it's just harder to get in the building for it yeah, it's there are fewer seats. It is more difficult to to get there for that game because so many of those that already small number of seats are reserved for fans or or students in this case who have spent six weeks in a tent while also doing their normal day to day school things, right? So like they, they of course they deserve it. Let them in after six weeks of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think just generally, man, I mean, if you've been to one of these games, you just know there's a there's an energy to it. Um, I wasn't I wasn't there last year, but there was an added sense of pride, obviously, for all of the the the, the reasons that we know about on the North Carolina side. But but I was on campus that day. I think I had Duke lacrosse for ACC and X that day. And even midday and you're talking campus, are you talking about you were on campus for the game in cameron or the one yes, during the final four okay at duke yeah, yeah that was and, that was like rev like uh lord of the flies that day where <laughs> yeah. it just people were everywhere and then you walk into the building and this is like three and a half hours before the game and the first person i walked into was dirk Nowitzki. And I asked Dirk, what are you doing here? And Dirk goes, I've never been to a college basketball game before. Well, <laughs> Ever, this is a good one. Kind. No. And <laughs> I'm like, well, you, pick, you picked a good one. 
And he uh, he said that Christian Leitner had shown him around campus. He played with him in the Mavs. He's like, but I'm not. I told Christian I'm not going to be rooting for Duke specifically because I also played with Hubert in Dallas as well. So he was there. You never know who you're going to run into. Like, I remember I saw in the at the concession stand last year Kyler Murray. Like and Duke, there's just consent. Uh, there's no special place that you get food during the game. Like, hey, there's the concession stand right there, right next to the Carolina bench. Apparently, he was friends with Brady Manick at Oklahoma, and Brady Manick got him a ticket. And Kyler Murray is in line at for for a hot dog or a burger at the concession stand. Like you right. just you just don't know like who you're gonna run well into. the one time the one time I, it was Ken Griffey Jr. Oh. right across the court from me and, and nobody notice. you and I I think that was our first Duke Carolina game like you Correct. that was uh, the one that Obama showed up for yep. and Zion Obama's sitting over in the corner so Ken Griffey Jr.'s right across the court from my seat our friend Marilyn Payne who sidelines for ESPN was seated to to one the, the side of me that you weren't. And she's the one that pointed it out and was like, no, 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 you like, you got to track him down. You, you need to track him down and say, Hey, um, and I didn't because it was so close to tip, right? It's tight quarters there. You're just going to, if you move, you're going to be in somebody's way and you don't want to be that guy. He was but. sitting next to in a row, Spike Lee, <laughs> Greg Olson and Todd Gurley. And the reason I bring up Obama was that's when I learned just how famous a president is. And what I mean by that is they're so famous, they make other famous people feel like Josh Graham. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it's like everybody has flocked that corner. And I remember Brandon Robinson was trying to get shots up and he had to, like, shift a little bit from that corner because there was so much media there wanting to shoot Obama, um, shoot video of Obama, to be clear. Ooh, ooh, and ooh, and ooh. <laughs> just want to make sure it got that one. <laughs> straight Uh, so I actually walked over there Darren and because I knew Todd and Todd introduced me to Greg who I already dealt with a little bit with the Panthers and they wanted a picture together and Devin Funches who's just a royal jerk don't mind saying that on the air he he wouldn't take the picture because he's like oh man get a different reporter guy to take a picture he didn't like me apparently for whatever reason he recognized me from being a Panthers reporter but Todd Gurley's like, get in the picture. So we got a picture together, and I turned to Spike Lee. I'm like, hey, Spike. And he, I could tell he didn't want to talk to me at all. So I just said, love your movies, and he dapped me up. But King Griffey Jr. never even looked my way. So that's when I met Spike. But nope, but the reason I walked over was because nobody was paying attention to those guys. Nobody was talking to them because everybody was looking at the president. That's how famous the president is. Yeah, no, it was the, the, the gravitational pull that that one corner of Cameron Indoor Stadium had is, I mean, it's unlike anything you'll ever see there. And that is a place where you continually see things unlike anything else you'll ever see. You want to make a prediction for the most famous person who shows up this week? It's a little bit of a lower profile year for this game. I'm betting Romo. My money's on Romo. Romo could show up. I mean, he's always a candidate. Him and Jason Garrett gonna be at the game together jason garrett goes to games that's that's my prediction yeah that we're gonna see that how about is, we is garrett soured after not getting the duke football job though no i saw him at the next home game 
the day after Mike Elko was announced last year. And <laughs> yeah, he really likes Duke basketball for real. Now let's get to unusual questions. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Gray. Okay, I'll get us started here. And in the spirit of the and one mixtape conversation and the video of me playing basketball that's up, Darren, how would you describe your pickup game? Just as you would predict, um, short, semi-athletic white guy. I'm just going to stay at the perimeter and shoot. When I play more frequently, I make more of them. But How self-aware are you as a shooter? Moderately self-aware. Like, self-aware enough to know that I can get hot, and that is my undoing. My approach was always, first time I'm getting it, and I'm open at the perimeter, I'm taking the shot. And my hope is to make the shot. Camera media game that I referenced earlier. I drilled a three, acted like that's a thing that happens normally. It isn't. <laughs> and the rest of the game, I start playing facilitator. But because I hit that first shot, people just assume that you're actually pretty good. And it's a lot easier to be the distributor and screener guy. And people don't think that you're just terrible and doing so not to stand out because you already hit that first shot. So I just need one shot to go down, not to have more confidence to hit more shots, but just so then I can hide. Just stop shooting. That's right. That's good. I can That's hide. Good. To paint the picture, though, last time there was a Cameron media game. It's been years. I hit five or six threes. I was Woo! on the all-media team. I was. My name was in the email that they sent out the next day. So, you know, you ask. Put it, put it up on the resume. Darren Vaught, his... Uh, his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The card that you have. Your business card? Yeah. Stat? Your business card has, it's a baseball card essentially. Yeah, right. That has so stats, stats on the back. And it should have Duke Media Game MVP, Lottery Man, UNC Professor, USA Baseball, Podcast Host, Play by Play Guy, Darren Vaught. He does a little bit of. <laughs> everything What's for the record i haven't question? played pickup probably since then yeah by the way here. So I, don't, I don't i wouldn't feel good about that what's your unusual question all right because of tom brady i want to play a game with you guys 80 for brady not no i don't even know what that means oh you um, don't know about this we, movie with sally field that's yeah coming yeah out on no I, I know it's it's anyways i can't believe they got sally field to do that uh and However, Jane Vonda and Rito Moreno. If What's your I question? Had, if, I, if I forced you to set an over-under for two things, for the remainder of your life, two things, set your own over-unders for how many times you're going to retire and how many marriages you're going to burn through on the way. Oh, wow. Oh, 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 oh. Set your own under, under. I like that. Zero and zero. 0 0.5 and 0 0.5, I guess, if you have to do like a half number. You're the married one of the three of us, so like you got to you gotta say the 0 0.5 thing. Well, I think you can't set it at zero because it's like right, you can't go negative. Yeah, you can't do negative. So like you for you, it's negative. a matter of if you will or if you won't. 
that's the 0 0.5. Yeah, and then with retiring, I don't know if I'm going to retire. You're going <laughs> to die on air. That's it. You're going to be saying... I mean, what, like, you're you're 30-ish years old in the year 2023, I, right? I don't know if that's going to happen. Same. Decades later, know. back in my day, I was there. Coach K's last game. I was there. You're going to say that, and then you're going to die on air. <laughs> Josh, you would. You would. Not to wish that on you, but you would die on air. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Talking about movies. Very morbid, this segment. It is. Talking about shooting the president. And this. <laughs> all right, I'm going right, to set my numbers. Um, I spotted you guys one on the marriages, so that's at 1.5. It's just a matter of whether or not I'll do it again. Um, retiring... See, I could see it happening twice for me for two different things, right? Like, do I retire as a broadcaster and then teach full-time and retire from that at some point afterward? Does it count technically if I only teach this semester? Does counting as a uh, pickup basketball player count as retiring? <laughs> yes, yeah, right. I'm retired as a pickup basketball player. I think... I think retirements, I'm going to set it at 1.5. All right. Understood. So one, I'm 1.5 for each. Well, I'm going to go over on both of those for you, buddy. <laughs> going to go over. <laughs> What's your unusual question, Will? Um, Because of the mixtape, which sport did you guys suck at the most growing up? Clearly not basketball Me, for it's me. soccer. Me, it's soccer. I was hor horrendous. I was incredible at soccer. I, yeah. Okay, Incredibles a bit much, but I was pretty good. But that was like your that was like your sport, right? Yeah, I started for years on varsity, did that, and I was a really good runner and a trash talker. I was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good soccer player. Sport I was worst at. Oh, I was really bad at baseball. I was bad. You know why? Because I was scared that the pitcher. I always talked myself into the pitcher who had it in for me and was going to hit me with the ball. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I'm a freshman in high school, and I'm feeling that way. Yep. Like I'm, and then running the bases, I'm not very fast. It's not – I wasn't very helpful. I was a bad baseball player. I love that description. I wasn't very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Unless we're talking hockey, I, I just don't think I would ever be good enough to be like a good enough skater to remotely – try and pursue that sport yeah so like that i mean there were there were a number of sports i didn't play growing up so so that would obviously be the answer because it requires you to skate but if we were going to take that off the board and talk about sports yeah. where you could just you know use your own two feet probably soccer for me i i didn't gain a lot of dexterity in my legs until uh a more advanced age and my twin brother was a goalkeeper in soccer so we got to the point where when we were in high school i would kick to him in the goal and that's sort of when it improved but i, I never played organized soccer I, I think i would have been horrendous at that and that's been unusual questions with darren bott wd is going to watch a movie tonight he has not seen any of quentin tarantino's work we're trying to figure out the best movie for him we don't want him to throw him into the deep end completely and his first Tarantino movie be Pulp Fiction. We want him to know the style a little bit 
and appreciate the style a little bit so he knows what he's getting into to a degree. We talked with Connor O'Neill about this. It feels like the front runners are Inglorious Bastards, Reservoir Dogs, and Django Unchained, even though Connor hadn't seen Django. I'm leaning Inglorious Bastards because I know WD likes history, and I'm a huge fan of Brad Pitt to the point where when I was selling books door-to-door 10 years ago, I would, just to make myself laugh, one or two doors a day, I'd do the Latino Addo Rain impression while I was trying to sell the books and people mostly wouldn't buy, but it would make me laugh. Gracias. Or gra- gracias. Gra- yes. A <laughs> river, a river dare A river dare I think. Bongiorno. I think Inglorious Bastards is a good one. That was my first thought. And then like Reservoir Dogs is, is one of my favorites. Let's so. not have a second thought then. Inglorious Bastards is the choice. Yeah. WD. That is your movie. For tonight. And that's the one I would have picked. Not that it matters. No, you would have picked Pulp. You hear everybody talking about Pulp. You wanted us to pick Pulp because of your poster. Well, I, well, I did, but I didn't think that was really an option. So no, it's I not. I would have gone with Inglorious Bastards. So there you go. Yeah. That's going to be the movie that we review tomorrow. Darren Vaught, thank you so much for the time, buddy. Of course. Pleasure as always, guys.